Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know. Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Give you energy like buck fast. And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Yeah. Yellow, yellow. Thank you very much to Ryan Mack, as always, for the theme tune which he gave to me and didn't charge me a penny. He's a good lad and he's from Newbridge, so that's that's that. Um, it is Monday night. It is episode 37 of the Keith Watch podcast. You're very welcome along. I hope you're, you know, I, 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 I hope I can speak. <laughs> I hope I can speak. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you're not, you can call Joe Duffy. It'd be great, actually. I'd love that. If somebody rang up Joe Duffy and complained about the quality of the podcast and how much, how little they were enjoying it. And then Joe got me on and he was like, a uh, woman on here, Keith, says she doesn't like your podcast. And I'd be like, Joe, look, I can't please everybody, you know, I just, I'm I'm just doing the job, doing my best. And then the woman would be like, well, that's not good enough. I don't know why it would be a woman. Normally has a woman on from Clontarf. Um, but it'd be great publicity for for the podcast. So if if you wanted if you really don't like the podcast, or you really do like the podcast, get in touch with Joe Duffy, give him a shout, say, listen, I want to come on, complain about this podcast, the Keith Watch podcast. Um, it's not what I paid for. Even though it's free, it's not what I paid for. Uh, and it is free, the podcast, but if you want to make a contribution, there is a little link in the podcast description, and you can click on that and give us the price of a cup of coffee, or a pint, or a house. It's up to you. <laughs> yeah, no, a proper house. Yeah, like 250 grand. If you give us 250 grand, we would be, like, really delighted with that. That would be great. That would keep us going for at least two weeks. Um, but it's it's totally up to you. It's free for everybody, and that's the way we like it. But if you like it and you want to make a contribution, feel free. You know, 250, 250 grand isn't that much money, is it? Like, like, I know we're in the middle of COVID and a pandemic and... You know, uh, money's tight and there's not that many jobs going around. A lot of people have been having to take pay cuts. But, like, somebody they must have 250 grand that they could just give the podcast. Like, like easy. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the crack. It's very foggy today. It's the type of fog that would turn you inside out. A reference uh, to a movie that I've never seen called The Fog. But I like to reference it because you know, it's a thing that happens in the movie. The fog comes and then it turns you inside out. And that's the scary thing. So just be careful. And don't say I didn't warn you. Don't walk into any thick fog. Although for some reason I feel like the fog in the fog is green. Maybe. Maybe not. I really should watch it. That'll be my homework. 
for the uh, f- till next week. If you're looking for some homework, you should listen to the episode I put up tonight with my friend Mike. It's called Scousers and Trousers. Um, I don't know why I called it that. I know I said the Scousers bit, but Trousers? There's a bit where Mike gives out about jocks, but it's a bit of a stretch. But it rhymed with Scousers, so I called it Scousers and Trousers because I was thinking of handbags and glad rags. Anyway, um, in that uh, podcast, there's a little bit of homework couple of albums that uh, you can listen to and report back and the email as always is keithwalchpod at gmail.com now my guest for episode 37 i'm very 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 delighted to have on the podcast comedian writer actor performer uh one time radio producer and broadcast assistant she's she's done it all in radio anyway she went on to work in television stand-up um, TV with her own TV series which we talk about and Nowhere Fast it's called um, she's now living in London and she's a writer and she's writing on shows like Have I Got News For You as well as writing her own other TV show so uh, she's quite busy and um, yeah I think she managed to make to survive Covid the initial hiccup, I think, for them, and when I say hiccup, I shouldn't say hiccup. The initial problem for them was that her other half got uh, COVID, and he had to self-isolate, and they live in a flat, and he was he was in that room um, on his own. So that I'd say that was difficult, but um, she uh, she made the most of it, as you will hear in the chat. And that's she's a survivor. She's a hard worker. She is um, she is a force to be reckoned with. Her name is Alison Spittle. She's from a small town village. We call it a village. Outside Mullingar or outside Athlone. In between the two. Which she talks about. And um, she's put that place on the map. You know. She really has. Um, yeah but she's. Uh, I first met her when she came in to do work experience with me. And uh, it wasn't really with me. It was just in the station. I think she got a week's work experience. And initially she was working with. Uh, our colleague Simon Murdoch, and then we got her on the breakfast show. I think it was Bernard suggested actually. Bernard O'Shea, the comedian who I was uh, doing a show with at the time, she came on the breakfast show, and we gave her a little slot. And she used to do it every week, and she she hung out, and yeah, we we she became part of the stage and part of the um, you know part of the staff, part of the the crack, and uh, yeah, uh, that's when I met her first, and she's gone on now to. Oh sure, look at I'm lucky she's still talking to me. Uh, but it was really nice to have her on the podcast and to catch up. And uh, we it was very rambly, but very enjoyable. I hope you enjoy it. It is uh, Alison Spittle, episode 37 of the Keith Walsh podcast. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Hi. How's can it going? I can. Can you hear me? I can. I'd say I got this button right there. Yay. Hi. I'm just going to connect my little headphones up to the computer. And then it should be all okay. Uh, sound, how are you getting on? Great. Your sound, your this, your sound is is chef's kiss. Beautiful. Oh, really? Yeah. Amazing. Good. Good. Delighted. Great. Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Ah, yeah, grand now. Yeah, not a bother. Just um, uh, in Camden. I'm coming home to Ireland in about a week. Nice. Self isolating, and I'll have a nice Christmas. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, um, I'm a- oh yeah well you know this is like bedhead hat you know uh, 
I find myself as I get older wearing hats a lot because I just can't be arsed to do combing my hair. Um, uh, no, I never leave the I house. Know. I don't leave the house anymore, Alison. So, you know, it's just. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I'm recording already, just so you know. Brilliant. Oh, it's, so it's uh... going to be like that type of podcast where it's like, are we, are we starting yet? Yeah, man. We've started. <laughs> We've started already. <laughs> Thank you very much. Are you? Is this? Are you an early bird? Would you be up early? I'm an early bird, more of late. Like, uh, and it's helping me a lot just with the winter. Uh, although, like, if you can see now, the sun is absolutely blasting me. But um, yeah, I found like in the winter, if I woke up at like ten o'clock, it just was not good for my mental health because. I wouldn't get out uh, quick enough and, you know, you'd, the sun would be setting and it would just feel, ter- you know, by the time you've done all your work mm. that you feel that you're able to go out um, then because I because I write for a living. So it's kind of like uh, and I work best when I wake up first thing. So I've been getting up earlier. I got up before the sun came up, which is not that hard because it's winter, but it was for me. And uh, I live near Primrose Hill. I don't live in Primrose Hill, but I live near enough it. And I went there and saw the sunrise over London and it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, so it's been it's been good for that to, to kind of get up in the morning lately. But normally I'm not a, a morning person at all. Well, I'm very jealous of you uh, living in Camden and close to Primrose yeah. Hill. And, and it's it's uh, it's a beautiful part. <laughs> I love London and I love I especially love Camden and uh, places like Primrose Hill. So uh, yeah. enjoy the shit out of it. But I will. I love it. I'm very lucky to live here. Like I, I moved here very on a whim. I was telling people for years I was going to move. And then I was on Facebook and I joined like a, a London Irish group um, just to prepare. And then I saw that there was a room available for a certain amount of money. And the woman who was uh giving away the room because she was moving elsewhere uh I, I've met her before so I was like oh she'll know who I like she'll know that I'm not gonna uh back out of this and I went the next day then uh just went on a boat and, and then it happened so yeah sorry I've totally talked over you there no no that's cool that's what, I, that's, what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I want and what how has it been since Alison like how is it like you just you just left did you have had your work lined up? Had you? What was the crack? I I kind of, I had agents that were interested in signing me. Mm. So over in the UK. So it kind of, um, and with the way that comedy was going, I kind of toured and um, you couldn't really make that much money out of comedy if I wasn't touring. So I just saw it as an opportunity to go now or you'll never go. Because I think before I was like, oh, I won't go because I'm going to do a TV series. And then it's like, oh, well, I won't go because I'm going to do Vicar Street. And then like I'd done them. So I was like, no choice but to go. So the so the comedy touring wasn't. What, what did you get? Did you get to a point where you were like, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be or. No, and I say that and that sounds defensive. But it isn't, but like, um, because I don't think I put too much thought of what it was going to be, mm. you know, and then you actually look at it and you're like, right, you know, uh, a lot of these people are doing other stuff as well as touring, except for like the big, maybe there's about four people in Ireland uh, where 
you know, they, they could make a living off touring alone, but they still choose to do other stuff as well. So, and also I really like writing. I, I had made some friends that lived in London from, from going to Edinburgh every year. Um, a lot of my friends had moved to Glasgow that lived in Dublin. So it felt like there was no, you know, there was nothing kind of holding me back. A lot of my main friendship group had moved out of Dublin uh, at that stage. So it really was kind of like yeah, you can go. Was there know? was there a stink? Was there was there a, was the <laughs> was the Irish comedy scene starting to smell, or was it like was there a bad buzz? Was I just remember around that time there was a lot of shit, and subsequently <laughs> on Twitter that I noticed. Obviously, I'm an outsider, um, but it just seemed to be I'm sure. We did our first gig together. You can't be an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an outsider. You gave me a lift to my first ever gig. So <laughs> you're a comedy insider. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that night what I didn't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the opposite. I was like, so we were working in radio together. And I was like, oh, Jenny, this comedy now is the is the spot like I loved it I so when I when I did my first ever gig I'd love to know how you felt but you doing your first ever gig but when I did it this is a massive adrenaline rush that just rushed through my whole body and I just couldn't I've never felt that way since it was like falling in love it was just like there was nothing else for me now but that after that yeah I do remember that night um and you were brilliant uh and it was it was it was down to Bernard really. He kind of yeah. He saw. I remember him him saying that you were on work experience in the radio station, and he mm. was talk and he he had met you. He was chatting to you, and he was like, "Alison, she's gonna be, she she should be doing stand up." Like he was saying to me, and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, That's "Yeah." So cool. And I remember then he was like, "Oh, we should get her on the show," and I was like, "Yeah, cool." And I, like the funniest story I've ever heard in my whole life from anybody. Yeah. Was the time you were telling us about your granny in the jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah, that was like the first bit of stand-up I did yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's still with us. <laughs> Is she? Oh, great, great. And she's like, I was looking through, I don't know about you, but since the lockdown, I have been very vicariously going through uh, Google photos where it tells you what you were doing the, this day two years ago one year ago and like I was looking at Christmas Day for the crack and some of the pictures of my granny like this should be in a in a like in a like portrait gallery of like just I'll, I'll show it to you I wonder I'll show it to you and you can describe it actually right there we'll find it but um <laughs> the story she, of your granny in the jacuzzi and she was drinking she had a drink and you decided to move her straw and just put it into the jacuzzi so she was just drinking the jacuzzi water through through the through the street and we like she had went deathly silent for about like five minutes which is not like my gran at all and uh we thought we honestly thought we killed her and like we were like almost doing an alibi between us and like <laughs> it was but uh then she coughed up and she said what was she like oh, this beer tastes terrible and I was like it would like we washed the Jack Russell's in it earlier like this is the type of family we are that wouldn't my granddad brought home a jacuzzi. We didn't know what to do with it. So we washed the dogs in it. And then we got drunk and went in for our own little, you know, time on our own. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of my early stand up was mostly me recalling stuff that my granny had done because there's no one funnier in my, in my life than my granny, Minnie. She's the best. 
Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I just remembered that. And then and then you 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 obviously did the first gig there. And uh yeah, it was brilliant. I how did I feel? I got yeah. definitely got an adrenaline rush and I did one after that. Did you? Where did you yeah, do I did I did another one in Port Leash, I think, which didn't go as well as in like I didn't feel the same I didn't get the same buzz out of it. And I'm a terrible man for there's something I'm only I've only figured out late in life is like if something I'm the type of person, if something doesn't work well for me, kind of fairly quickly, I, I don't like now when I do something, I enjoy, I'm enjoying the process of, of getting better at it and working on it and, you know, and seeing it through to the end and sticking with it and, you know, seeing where it goes. Whereas there mm. I was like, oh, fuck this shit. That wasn't good. Not doing that again. Whereas I, sh- whereas I should have just done it a few more. I should have just, you know, I should have accepted it was just it didn't it didn't. I mean, you're, you're never going to feel the same buzz as your first bit. I never, never did. Even when I did the tree arena, never the same buzz. Never the same as that gig in Port Leash. No, wow. no, never the same. And I laughed when I came because I said to myself in my head, I was like, surely now, because it was St. Patrick's Day comic relief charity gig. And I did it for two years. And like, I was like, surely, like, if, if you're going to feel an adrenaline buzz, it must be now. And I did it, and I was like, no, <laughs> not, not the same as Cavanaugh's and Port Leash. Uh, not the same. Yeah. Um, but even if it's like one tenth as good, it's still it's still worth doing it. As long as you're getting still. some sort of buzz off. But it's sure it's like heroin, you know, the more you need more than to get the same high, you know. That's from my from... Ah, yeah, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> that's what I heard. That's what I've heard. The um I did one recently. I did an, I went back and did a stand-up set. Is that what they call it? Uh, yeah. With Kevin. Kevin McGahern was on. It was, a, I think, the Comedy Crunch, it's called, in Dublin. Oh, lovely. Um, I was preparing for... Do you remember I met you? Talk, I was talking about this show I was going to try and write. So I wrote, I wrote a one-man show called Pure Mental, anyway. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're touring it next year. We were suppo- I'm supposed to be on tour this month. Um. That's super exciting. You went super quick. That because when I met you, I was like, "Oh, he won't be like that. Won't be ready or that, you know, for ages." Uh, and like, it's great that like, you know, you're going in with it full hilt. It was great I, to talk to you about it because I, I kind of I didn't know who to sort of. I was trying to think of who would I talk to about you know putting it together, and you just came to mind. And it was great chatting to you because, you know, you were able to talk to me about, you know, producers that might help or people that might get involved. And then I thought you actually made me think of another friend of mine, Janet Morn, who's a who's a director and a performer. And she's ended, she's ended up directing it. Um, oh, delighted. That's cool. And very much. She very much helped me write it as well. So in preparation for the writing of that, I did a bit of stand up just to see how the stories would go down. And uh, yeah, I think that went all right. I was too nervous, I think. And I was a bit, I think I cursed a lot. Kevin gave me a few notes afterwards. Too much cursing. Uh, I was wearing a baseball cap backwards as I am now. He took that off my head. <laughs> Before he went up on stage, he said, that's that's comedy. No, no, one, no, one. Don't go, yeah. upstairs. Don't go upstairs wearing a backwards baseball cap. Um, and that was my safety blanket. So, uh, no, but it was good. It was, it was good to do it. And I was actually, I had, before the lockdown, I was, my, my plan was to do a few bits like that in small clubs just to get my, 
nerves in oh. check and confidence and all that. So, but then the lockdown happened. But we, yeah, we did half the show uh, during lockdown. We did a half an hour of it. Um, and now we have another tour, we have a tour, 20 day tour booked for next year. That's so exciting. That's so brilliant. I just, just have to say, I really appreciate you meeting you meeting me that day it was fortuitous as well because you were only just home for a few days were you yeah yeah I love I love giving other people advice that I can't take myself like <laughs> there's no swear to god there's nothing I love more than to go to someone see what you can do now and then I tell them and then I I never do it myself like it's uh but you have it, done this you have to you've, you've done you've, your, your own show you've written your tv series you're writing now you know you're doing all those things I think I think for the amount of advice I give, I probably do about ten percent of it, and I do all right actually. Actually, yeah, feck it. But I do, I do love, I love talking to people about their dreams and their careers, uh, because there's nothing more kind of pure than somebody's hopes and stuff, and it's it's nicer to talk to someone about that and the, to help. And uh, just because I was given so much help, like you know, I would never have done stand up comedy. Never have done stand-up comedy if Bernard didn't encourage me to, and if you didn't give me a lift. Like, <laughs> swear! <laughs> I was like, how the hell am I going to get to Port Leash? So, like, um, yeah, so I am very thankful for that, and I do like to kind of pay it forward a bit. Uh, whether you want it or not, I'll give it to you. No, I wanted it. I like, definitely wanted it. You know the way you're just like, I mean, I suppose doing something like that is brand new to me. Writing is brand new to me. And you're kind of thinking, who do I know that's doing a bit of that, that I trust, you know, that mm. I could talk to that would, you know, because I, I don't trust everybody. And I have spoken to people in the past and there is method to their advice. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's a few wrong ones out there that will tell you all sorts but uh, but uh, you 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 were a very good person to go and talk to um and i have to apologize to you as well because when myself and bernard finish up on our radio we were sort of almost like being kicked out of the building i think i did another week and i yeah. said and i said to you would you try, would you would you please try and download and put onto cd some of our sketches and stuff because you yeah. were there you were there in work experience and i think I feel like you might have been trying to do that without anybody seeing you. And I might have put you under undue stress and pressure. <laughs> this is something that's been in my head since. Oh, that's very nice. No, I was absolutely devastated when he left because like, um, well, just because of, I suppose I've no ambition to work in radio now. So it's grand to talk about. But like, I felt like. I felt like, when did I join iRadio? I joined iRadio for work experience for college uh, in springtime. And I think he had launched maybe in the winter or something like that. So you weren't long at it. It must have been 2008, 2009, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was around that time. And like, um, I... So I was very into i105, 107. I knew that the Galway station had like a certain amount of prestige about it because I had a couple of, it had a year or so ahead. And also I'm from Westmead and I'm very proud to be from the Midlands. And I felt like a youth station uh, in the Midlands that wasn't Dublin centric. Uh, I thought I thought that the Midlands had its own identity. And um, I was very, I was very into the brand of iRadio and very into iRadio. And I felt that the breakfast show with Bernard and Keith was just for me was like just 
like so I, I have very big interest in radio since I was a young one I went to college for it it's what I loved and the identity of the Bernard and Keith show where, where Bernard could Bernard, Bernard would make up a story about a house that he had that he passes by every day on the motorway and he this whole soap and everyone was so invested in it people are invested and going what's happened next because <laughs> It was just, and it's just, and I could see Bernard just like flicking his eyes up, trying to like pull stuff from the back of his head. This was like very improvised and very, and I, I don't think it could happen anywhere else. And it's like, it's honestly like one of the best places. Like I, I, I haven't worked many places, but I found that iRadio for me was, it was number one, a place that I was very proud to be contributing to. And number two, like everyone was trying something a bit different. The newsroom, because I worked a lot in the newsroom in the end. Like uh, it was like I worked in iRadio for it was only supposed to be a week and I wasn't supposed to be on air. I went. It was like Simon Murdoch had the mid morning show and I was supposed to sit in and watch him do the desk and he'd just be chatting in between the songs. And I was telling him. He kind of asked me, like, you know, that kind of, I'd say all DJs have this kind of conversation with people that do uh, work experience. Like, oh, yeah, how'd you get into radio? And I was like, well, Simon, it was uh, <laughs> basically, uh, you listened to Rick O'Shea when I was younger, and he did an evening show where you could text in and tell him, you know, um, whatever, whatever funny answers you wanted to do. There was no Twitter for me at the time. Twitter didn't exist I had no way of expressing myself. I knew I was an odd little girl and I would text into radio stations and then Ricochet's producer rang me. I rang the number and I was like, what's a Dublin number ringing me? And she's like, uh, would you like to come on air and talk about what you've just said in the text? I was like, yeah, yeah, no bother. So I went on the basketball court in my estate, which is the only place you could get good enough reception for a phone call. My friends were all in the sitting room, like, oh my God, Addison's going on to FM. This is class. And I was like, yeah. So I went on and I started, Ricochet was like, so Alison, you want to tell us about your favorite character that's been played by multiple actors? And I was like, yeah, most people say Batman, but I think it's soap children because when you turn 13 in a soap, you get sent away to camp and you come back as a 21 year old with abs. And I was like, thinking I was class. And I told Simon Murdoch about that. And he's like, oh, what? Why don't you come in here and talk about that? So I did. And then he popped in your head and was like, try to come in earlier tomorrow and come talk to us on the breakfast room. And I was like, yeah. And it was just. It was just like that whole week couldn't have went better for me. I loved it so much. I loved, and also like um, for people that don't work in radio, iRadio became more and more skeletal. And I mean that in like, just, just that everyone worked, you know, everyone worked and then people got let go. So other people took on other responsibilities. And you just, I, I feel like I knew how a radio station was ran. Like I felt like, I was given so much opportunity to do stuff. I could do desk work. I was doing, oh man, I remember once my mom, I mean, this is a horrible thing, but there was a crime that had happened uh, on the way someone had got murdered and it was very rare in Westmead for someone to get murdered. And I, my mommy was giving me a lift home from my radio and I could see there was people of white, white uh, jackets on. And I was like, oh, this is, something's been found. So then I rang my, the head of news and I was like doing a mini report from you know from my mom's car that was parked it, and you know it's not like it was a full report but it's just like 
five seconds of like, well, there are police vans here or whatever. And like, there was no other place where that would have ever have happened to me. And, you know, as well as that, that people encouraged me to do stand up comedy or God, I remember one year, like I was so financially fecked and poor and I was on the phone to someone and someone had overheard me. And then the whole radio team got together and got like my sister's presence. And it was just, that was so touching and stuff. And that was community. And that's what I loved uh, about iRadio. And I'm sure it's still, I'm sure the people that are working there now, it's the same for them now. I'm sure this probably happens in every radio station, but it's just the one that I was working at. That Mm. was pretty special. Like it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think we... uh... Not that we took you under our wing, but I think we just we just liked having you around. I think that was the thing. We wanted to make sure you could. You, oh, you know, yeah. I, and like we were just doing whatever we could to make it work for you, I suppose. Then my daughter was saying that I, I told oh. her I was going to be talking to you, Anna, and she's Anna, who's doing her leaving cert this year. I know. I feel so old. <laughs> and she said, uh, she said, I remember you gave out to Alison once. And I was like, what? Never give out to Alice. Said, yeah, she was doing my nails, and you said, "Should you not be? Should you not be doing some work?" And I, I said, "I said, I was probably, I was probably joking." I think very much so. You're joking. I was like, uh, when Anna used to come in, there was like, uh, we used to have like pretend that because I was still in college and stuff, and it was good crack. But uh, and I, I like it. I like it when kids come into places. Because it's just a break from the other way that you're supposed to act. You know, when there's a child there, mm. you're fully allowed to go, oh, this is my license now to to do what I really want to do. And uh, I really wanted to race the the office chairs and pretend they were horses. So, <laughs> so Anna was my license to like pretend that, uh, yeah, the office chairs were horses. And um, yeah, I used to, I did. I love that station so much. And there was so, and I kind of moved up to Dublin to do work with News Talk because I thought moving to Dublin, it would kind of, uh, I don't know, change my life a bit. And I suppose it did. But uh, yeah, great times in iRadio. I mean, I slept in there and everything. I don't think I told anyone that. But like uh, when Oxygen, yeah, because it, when oxygen was on the whole station would go to oxygen and I I'd be back home looking after the desks and stuff and I didn't know how to drive and I was working you know until late enough in the night and I'd be up early enough in the morning I didn't have the confidence to ask my mom to to do the two trips so close together so I got a sleeping bag and I just slept under a desk and it was it was class I was listening I felt like that week I felt like I was living my best radio life because uh because he had all the broadband I'd no broadband in my village where was, and I could listen to this American life like without uh it was, isn't it mad like that's such a like uh a time a time capsule of that time mm. and uh yeah and it was very I had a great time and a vending machine getting the breakfast out of the vending machine eating Maltesers for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> you were like it was like uh, it was like the movie Big or something, you know. You were just like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of the movie Big, but you know, or so, so you know, so when you get locked in the supermarket or something, you get locked in the you know the childhood dream. Um, yeah. But like, for people that don't know, because 
like I come from Athlone and I was I was born in Longford, but you are so there's the Midlands, which so Athlone would be the main town in the Midlands. Mm. And there's Mullingar. Yeah. And then, and then, and then like <laughs> further into it's it's you don't it's further into the Midlands. It's like you, like it's like go to the Midlands and then you find somewhere like Athlone, that's a town, and then drive as far away from that as <laughs> But, but remain in the Midlands uh, is Ballymore, which is just like, why does Ballymore exist? God knows. God love us. Uh, <laughs> because sometimes I, sometimes I look at, you know, when you drive through villages, I'm looking at them going, because like with Lanesborough, where I grew up, there's a power station there. So everybody moved from all over the country to live there. Ballymore, you're kind of going. I think it's, it's, it's kind of, it's probably, it's so equidistant between, everywhere it's equidistant between most uh it's it's a type of village where if you could drive the world is your oyster but like no chinese would deliver out to ballymore without like a, a hefty charge on top so it was never worth getting a takeaway um and it's uh it's sad actually because it lost its uh post office uh this year which I was kind of secretly very proud of Ballymore for keeping its post office. I feel that like if you have a post office, it's a, it's a sign that it's a, a thriving village. Um, and I, I still can't drive. So I probably could never live in Ballymore. You can't live in Ballymore unless you can drive. And the freedom you have with a car is just crazy. Like I, I'd say, I don't know why it exists. I know that Market Hill where it is like the specific estate that I'm from, um, Ballymore used to be the biggest town in Westmead like hundreds of years ago and Market Hill is where they had the market so Dangan in County Offaly used to be the, the biggest town in Offaly it's very strange and um, there was like if we were to go for the history of Ballymore yeah let's do it the podcast, uh, there's like a there's like a watchtower castle in the eye line of my uh, mother's bedroom that you can see it's in the backfield that was a jacobite watchtower which is like a it was a massive siege in Athlone uh, when William of Orange and uh, the other fella the Catholic fella I'm sure his name's not Jack but it's a jacobite anyway that that fella why am I thinking um, it's not James is it no probably James let me do you know what? Yeah, I'll look it up I, re- I do remember learning about this in school and somebody stopped them on the bridge that was where at the castle list they, they were trying to get across the bridge to the to, in Athlone to, in Athlone yeah and they were stopped oh. on the bridge uh, well basically they made a stop someone tried to stop them in Ballymore and there was a massacre so like it may have like kept you a few hours or something like that <laughs> what's it called uh, <laughs> what's, yeah we, we just took we just took that we took that story and made our own what was the siege called I'll check now because they got a little do you know what I'm going to type in history of Ballymore I'm just um, I'm just googling Jacobite and Ballymore Westmead, but also it's very close to, like even if you go back further, there's a few. Is is Ishnock near? Oh my God, Ishnock! Ishnock's the next. So the cool thing about Ballymore is, um, it's very near Ishnock. It's also very near that um Rosemount, which is the little village where there is a recording studio, and Michael Jackson lived there for. A little while yeah. and uh, muse and anytime we'd see a helicopter 
like my friend would go, that's Will I Am. I heard he's doing a song of Michael Jackson. And I would always, you know, it's, it's so strange to live in like a small rural village. And then there is so much. I, for some reason, I remember I must have been about eight or nine. I think it was around the time of the millennium. Um, there were Native American people in full garb in, uh, in the pub. And it must have been, I'd say it's something to do with Eustace, or uh, sorry, I'd say it's something to do with Ishnak or the or the Millennium, but I do remember that just because it was like, wow, there's Native Americans here and they're yeah. drinking a pint. But also like, I'd love to kind of like properly know why they were there. I should ask my mum. There's a lot of stuff that can be like solved uh, by asking my mum. I'm I on the Ballymore. Um, I'll have to get your mom on the podcast. The, yeah. I, I stayed in that studio uh, for a weekend and we, we got a tour by the guy, I think the guy who who owns it, the family member, and he brought us on a tour of and showed us Ishnock and he told us about the Native Americans coming over and it was something to do with, I don't know what, it was something to do with maybe, I don't know if it was the millennium, but it was some celebration. It was, you know, a thousand years or whatever. And basically for anybody who doesn't know, Ishnock was one of the hills where they would light the fires and they were like the water there was there was a few hills around ireland and you could or peaks where you could see the fire and a fire be lit and a fire be lit and a fire be lit and that was a way of warning of things or something I don't know the, the ishnock is the ancient center point of ireland so it's not the geographical center point i think that's like one of the one of the shores of Loch lockery i think or not lockery what's the Anyway, sorry, it's the ancient center point <laughs> of Ireland. It's when uh, there were five provinces in Ireland. It used to be Leinster, Ulster, Munster, Connacht, and Mead. And Westmead and Mead were in the one um, were in the one uh, province. So it's like it's super early. There's goddess Eru is buried under the cat stone. Goddess Eru is uh, the goddess that Ireland is named after. Um, I I do love I love local history. I love learning about stuff. And uh, I, uh, especially, especially around Ireland, because it's just, it's just so interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, the, have you, so you stayed in the, in the place and they were kind of giving you a tour. That's cool. It's, yeah, they uh, were, because Michael Jackson recorded there and there was the famous story of so, Michael Jackson being spotted bowling in, in, uh, in Tullamore, I think. Yeah, Why there's CCTV isn't there in Tullamore, yeah. Yeah, and he could have went to Athlone. <laughs> yeah, what a dick. Um, forget about yeah. the forget about the other stuff. It's the fact that he went to, to but but it's... but this guy was telling us that he like see, I don't know if I should say this, but like Michael Jackson uh he <laughs> to say he's got a bad rap, I can't even say. So this guy, <laughs> this guy he stayed with he, Michael Jackson stayed with them and he said you couldn't meet a nicer guy, right? And he just did not believe that he was capable of any of the things that people said about him. Yeah. Now, my theory on this is this is my my take, which is probably not very good. Or he had a massive he had a massive falling out with Sony. Oh, this is interesting. Who were very powerful at the time, especially the the head of Sony. I'm not going to name any names. I probably shouldn't even say the name of the record company. Yeah. But he Please had a believe it. He had a massive falling out with some very powerful people. And I am, I kind of feel like there might have been some things that were said about him, spread about him, rumors to uh to to just to just to ruin his life, ruin his career. 
but I could be totally wrong. Yeah. Um, because... I, I, I watched that. Did you watch that documentary that the the lads had brought out? The young lads. Yeah, um, I don't like, think. I, yeah, I don't think I saw it. It's um, it's very compelling. Like, cause I, cause I, um, cause I still want to mention Michael Jackson. I did like a a post. I forgot. I literally forgot like what he did. Um, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, I don't know, COVID and everything like that. <laughs> and uh, I found this old picture of a, a shop in Athlone that said, you know, this is Michael Jackson's favorite store. He browsed here for an hour and I just thought that was hilarious. And I shared it and then someone was like, you're telling me that you would share the thing about this, you know, horrible pedophile. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. But also he's he's a massive part of pop culture that we can it's not like I'm never gonna I'm never gonna give him money or anything like that, but am I gonna beat myself up if I hear Earth song and not feel a bit excited? So, you know, it's that's that's the kind of way I feel about it. The the way I feel about it is I do believe that he did what he did. And it's and it's like cause I cause I heard the testimony of the lads. And it just said to me, and I know, I know what you're on about about record company. I know, like, like Mariah Carey fell out with her record company because she divorced the fella that was the head of it. And um, you know, there's some real good YouTube documentaries about like the shady elements of the record industry that you can look up. But I feel that, like, I feel that Michael Jackson did what he did, and and the, the record company were like. It's like, look, come here. If my enemy turned out to be a pedophile, mm. yes, I'd be hopping on top of that. Who's yeah, of course I would. Who's your um, enemy? <laughs> I have a few. I have a few. <laughs> but like, you know, if they, they're, they're beyond retribution, I'd be delighted then. I'd be like, not only did that bastard steal my pen, but also he's a convicted pedophile. Like, there's no... Always knew he was a bad one. So, like, they're both, they're both like, valid, you know? <laughs> I, I hope I hope people understand when they listen to this. We'll just get back to the American Native tribes who came to Ishnuk. Yes. Uh, chiefs from Native American tribes have spoken reverentially of Ishnuk, and in 2001, Ishnuk hosted a summit where Native American chiefs intermingled with Irish natives and shared respective histories and traditions. So they just came over and they had like they were on horses and everything up on top of the hill. They were, they were, they were on, they were, they were honestly. I remember being, I must have been, what, so that was 2000, so I was about 11, mm. I'd say. And I just remember being overwhelmed by the size of the headdresses, the, the guard, you know, the whole outfit was just, it was like, it, I suppose that's the whole point of those types of outfits. It's ceremonial, isn't it? It's to give a sense of ceremony. And it felt like I was in front of the queen or someone. It just, it just, like, there was a, there was a, yeah, it's mad that I remember that. Oh, I'd, say, uh, I'd say you would, because, I mean, like, it's not to, to live in a small village and then just walk into your local pub and there's Native Americans there and it's not a film. Uh, yeah. It's very, it'd be very <laughs> shocking, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like when Ray Darcy came to most Supermax to sign autographs and I queued out there for ages. <laughs> you get overwhelmed by the sense of occasion. You know, you do. Especially, I suppose, like somewhere like Ballymore, when you know, I'd imagine when certain things happen, they're your standout moments. Like, 
you know, the time the Native Americans were in the pub drinking beer and the yeah. time Red Arson came to Moat. Oh, any other <laughs> any other highlights that you remember? Was was that it? Was this the were they the two big ones? And uh, now I wasn't there, but it was big talk in my village for a while. And um, there was a drive-by shooting and genuinely like a, an air gun. So it wasn't a real gun, but it was like a real like attempt to make like it was it, it happened outside the shop, apparently, and people ran into the shops. It's about two years ago. I moved out of there a long time. And I'm going to do you know what? While we're chatting, I'm going to Google drive-by shooting Ballymore. Was it a, <laughs> so, was it a ga- are there gangs? Are the, are the gangs are the gangs active in Ballymore? Was it a gang thing? Hip hop? No, they're not too. Oh. Oh, look. Oh, Keith, Keith, I'm looking at the. I've never looked at the Wikipedia page for Ballymore, but my name is in it. Like, no way. Yeah, that's crazy. Under like, uh, but I'll, I'll go back. I'll find the, the drive-by. Well, of course your name is there. Um, you, <laughs> that's crazy. You, you need to look for the drive-by. Yeah, I wonder, was it gang-related? Uh, were, were, were the young people of... Have the young people of Ballymore started listening to hip hop or trap or uh, but gangster when I was rap? A, when I was a young one, I used to listen to like So Salad Crew and like, because uh, I'm originally English, like my accent is English uh, before and uh, got changed that pretty quick. But um, I used to live with lads that were like from England as well. And we kind of had this thing in our head that like, oh, because uh, So Salad Crew were big at the time and Craig David. And it felt like, we used to just take pictures of each other on our disposable camera, just like doing hand signals and stuff. It was very embarrassing. I hope those pictures do not survive. But um, here we go. Breaking news. Westmead Examiner. <clears throat> drive-by shooting in Ballymore. Gardaí have rushed to Ballymore following reports of a drive-by shooting in the village. The incident occurred around half an hour ago. This is quick. Wow. At High Street in an area where the village's businesses are concentrated. That's true. Like the shop the petrol station, the chipper, it's all there. It's understood that the apparent target was not injured. A car, oh my God, a car has been burnt out just a short distance from the village and what is believed to be connected to the incident. More on this to follow. Wow. That's, uh, so, wow. Oh, what? Wait there, sorry about this, Keith. There's no, it's okay. Bit... I thought you were going to say that you were one of the suspects. <laughs> I haven't had a phone call yet. The suspect but, uh... has since moved to London and now lives in Camden. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes seen in Primrose Hill with an air rifle. <laughs> <laughs> She's believed it's believed she brought her gang from Ballymore over to London with her, and now they're operating. <laughs> yeah, we're operating in Camden. So we are. Um, yeah. Wow, Ballymore! Holy shit! Um, but uh, do you, so so, but then did you shoot your TV series in Ballymore? I shot like a bit of my documentary Culture Club in Ballymore. Right. But the TV series itself, because um because of the budget, a lot of um because of the budget you can't shoot um because of the budget you can't shoot a certain amount away from the GPO or you have to pay the crew and staff more for travel. So a lot of stuff um that's made in Ireland that isn't like supported by the Offaly County Council or some other kind of board that helps. Uh, that's why like you'll see like uh, films with like 
with help from Kildare County Council and they show locations and stuff. So we filmed a lot of all of Nowhere Fast uh, in Swords in County Dublin. Okay. And I was very skeptical at the start, but I understood like, you know, we're working within our, within like the budget and um, the, yeah, the, I, there's some of it though, looks, there was the first scene we had to do outside and I looked and it was just so flat and so green. And I was like, this feels like Westmead. And you can see like a, a plane go over your head. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so we filmed most of it in swords. Most of it in swords are around that area. There's a, there is a scene I thought actually I thought it was filmed in Ballymore, but there's this, the yeah. scene the scene where you're drunk and you're trying you're staggering home. Uh, I think you get off with some young lads in a, <laughs> outside the pub in a, in a car park or something. Uh, but I was convinced that was Ballymore because that would have been that would have been huge, wouldn't it? To to go back like I'd imagine at the time you must have been thinking I'd love I really love to go back to Ballymore and, and film it there because it would have been huge for the for the village. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I think I do uh, that I go, I hope Ballymore is proud of me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, a lot, a lot of stuff. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think I think because I was a blow-in and, like, it's funny because I was in the pub for Christmas maybe a year or two ago and someone came up to me and we hadn't talked in years and they're like, why do you keep saying that you're from Mullingar? You're not from Mullingar. You're from Ballymore. And I'm like, look, there's about four Ballymores in Ireland and no one, no one is arsed. No, you know, you just have to name the nearest town. It was just, uh, but I am, I am like a lot of the stuff, good and bad, that kind of made me is, is Ballymore. And it's, uh, it is my muse in a way. It's uh, it is funny though because if I, I I'd imagine if you're speaking to people from England and they're like where are you from and you might say yeah. oh, uh, Mullingar and they ultimately just say is that near Dublin and you go yeah yeah it's near Dublin yeah that's yeah, yeah. genuinely I'm, it I'm just outside Dublin <laughs> you can't even sometimes if you go I just go I'm in between Galway and Dublin and they just nod and take that and I'm like those are the two opposite ends of that country. Yeah. And but, all, uh, but all they'll remember is the fact that you mentioned Dublin and they'll just think, oh, yeah, Dublin. But when yeah. you think when you think of people saying they're from London, London is such a big, sprawling urban mass uh, that you could, you could almost be living in Galway. And say oh, you're, and say you're in London, if you know what I mean, like, you know, the, it's. Oh, like my friend. So my best London friend lives in Catford which is geographically so opposite me. It takes me like an hour to get to her. So it feels like, it feels like I have a friend in like uh, Kinnegad and I live in Dublin. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> and you just sit in the public transport twiddling your fingers, just going, oh yeah, it's grand. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's why like with Camden, especially, it's just, I've been living here like two years. There's the London Irish Centre. There's so much history. Uh, there's a street about it's uh sorry there i've after switching on my foot massager by accident and i don't want to it's okay uh, <laughs> you, can, you can massage your feet do you know what i will keep do. so there's a there's a street called athlone street about oh. like four streets away from me there's so much irish well there's so much irish history here uh because it's so near houston uh it's so near houston station which is like where a lot of irish people would have got off 
there's a lot of people that came here in the 50s that are older older now and need kind of help so I saw I saw an old fella in like a West Mead jersey in Tesco and we were both in masks and I just had to go up to him I was like hey, I'm Alison I'm from Ballymore <laughs> and he was like oh right I'm from they're always I don't know why but they're always from like Clannard or somewhere like east of, of Mullingar uh, that I have no geographical knowledge of at all and uh, he's like oh this is the the Leinster winning shirts so that's about what 15 years ago you know oh, we're yeah. chatting away about that and um, so it is it's lovely it's lovely to be here and kind of be around but I feel like yeah London is so sprawling that you almost just go Camden you know or Kentish Town I'm in between Kentish Town and Camden and um, so it's quite good when the when the lockdown happened, you were I think you were probably one of the first people to react and do something uh, of all the comedians that I know and follow. And you started doing your co- video parties uh, like oh, almost was it almost straight away? You were, you were yeah. very you were very quick off the blocks. It was very good. I'm a very pessimistic person, Keith. I was like, not a hope in hell are they sorting this out, <laughs> you know, in the foreseeable future, and also like. Um, I don't know, you know, you're in a flat, you're, you're sharing a house with several people. It's, uh, I, I don't know why I reacted quickly. I'm glad I did. But, um, yeah, the cool video party thing that wasn't meant to be a, a nightly thing that the whole, that, that was kind of like, it, it snowballed. I just wanted to do something with friends, you know, and, uh. And also, I don't, I, I hate assessing my relationship with people. Like, I hate going to myself, am I good enough friends with this person now to send them a Christmas card of it being weird? So <laughs> normally what I do is I just went on Twitter. <coughs> I'm sorry, love. And um, Take your time. I'm just going to get some water. Have a drink of vodka. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I will. Um, but, oh, you know what I got? I, I started doing this thing, Keith, right? I'll come back to the... I started doing this thing. Yeah. Where I make a flask of tea the night before, and then I can just wake up in the morning and have it straight away. That's a great idea. And also, once it's in the flask, it's hot down for the day. Oh, man. Because... You, you have to thank yesterday, Alison. I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to make myself be able to get up in the morning and do stuff without having the excuse of uh, going, oh, well, I have to clean or I have to do this. And you wake up in a clean house and then you just have to do your work. I procrastinate too much and I've just got too much on at the moment that I have to like do it. Um, but back to video party anyway, I'm sorry. Um, when more people got involved in it then, and I didn't, I hate making decisions. So I was like, people vote and you can pick the film we watch. And then all of my gigs got cancelled, just like I was supposed to tour that spring. It was just, I kind of like living in England and then coming back to Ireland and touring. Because doing stuff in front of Irish audiences definitely scratches an itch that I don't get with uh, doing stuff in uh, the UK. Like Like what I loved about being on this podcast is that we've talked shop about I want a five on a seven and then Ballymore. And you can't even, everything has to be so general and universal um, here. You know, you have to explain. I, I hate the way 
that British people don't know what giving out means. Because <laughs> yeah. I find it, because I find it like such an integral part of my language to say, it, I know it's the equivalent of scold, to scold someone, but to give out to or to give out about, it's such a, a beautiful phrase that means so much. And yet I think that scolding doesn't quite hit it, you know? So that's a, that's kind of like a, why I like coming back to Ireland is like I I I kind of unfilter myself and go, you know, giving out and just chatting about stuff. I I, I find like when I moved to Ballymore and when I moved to Westmead from London, I felt very self conscious about my accent, just very self conscious about like the way that my my dad would make. Uh, tomato and cheese sandwiches and scotch eggs and uh I love my dad I get on so well with my dad but my dad is so English that like even I feel colonized by him like that's how (laughs) English he is and it's not cool it's not cool to be English and fair enough you know it shouldn't be it's not like I am disagreeing with that I have read a history book like before I used to be like why are people so down on the English? And then I read up and I was like, ah, yeah, they're right. <laughs> you know. But um, but I had always observed Irish life. I'd always observed village life. And I always wanted to be really part of it because it felt like a puzzle to me that I wasn't able to figure out. And then I became so ingrained into it and now I've moved away that I'm finding it very hard not to... And also when you moved to Dublin as well before... And I'm very happy that I worked in I-105, 107 for my early part of my life. But when you went to college, like, you'd, you'd get people that'd be slightly tiny bit demeaning. It did, you know, a bit of slagging or whatever. You're, oh, you're such a culture. And it's like, yeah, yeah, what of it? Um, so I've always always felt like I've always taken on an identity that's not mine. Um, and with, the, with being from the country, I took that on. And now it's very hard to separate myself from it because I fought so hard in my head. I was never, I was a blowing. I was never born in a place. You know, I, ne- I was never stayed in the place where I was born. I didn't have like all of my second cousins going to school with me and have like a natural social group kind of made for you. You know, I didn't have the protection of having an older brother that played in the GAA team so people could leave, you know. So it's kind of like, I really kind of like, got myself into the culture of living in a village and it's very hard to separate myself now. Um, and then, so, so just to explain, the Covidia party was... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, no. I was, in my head, I was going, I was going, how did we get on to... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I'm always bringing up, no matter what subject will come up, I'll be like, I love my dad, I really do, but... <laughs> No, um, Covidia party. Yeah, I'm a culture and I'm proud. What what of it? <laughs> so uh, Covidia party is like a thing where people will watch a film together at a time, at a at a at a specified time, and people will tweet along to it. So it's like you know watching the toy show together, where you would tweet, "Oh, is that kid that way or that kid that way?" Mm-hmm. And then you're just watching a film, so you're like, "Isn't Jim Carrey gas?" And it's something to make you feel like less alone, because. We're just not going to, and I think maybe the reason why I got on it so early is being a stand-up comedian, you're required to be in a room with people. People are required to be in a room together to share this experience. And I just knew that that was not going to happen for ages. 
And that was the thing that people were going to miss out on. And I missed out on. So I created Co-Video Party more for myself to have small talk with people and to chat about films. So we'd all watch a film together and uh, tweet about it. And then, like, I started dressing up as the characters that day to... Because I had nothing else to do. I would no work. So what, you know, of course I was going to dress up like Robin Williams from Jumanji because I had a dying houseplant and a very, very free day, you know, I had nothing to do. So it was, it was really good cracking. They did that every day for a hundred days. And then I gave myself a break and we've been doing it kind of twice a week now from now on. That's so been grand. But it was, it was a stroke of genius. Like it was up there with uh, Tim Burgess from the Shartans doing the, the, the album listening party. So you're, you're in good company there. Um, and definitely one, <laughs> definitely one of the highlights of the lockdown. The three things I remember from lockdown was you doing the video party, uh, Tim Burgess listening party, and then Paul Heaton from the House Martins in the beautiful South was putting up pictures of him with famous people. And you had to guess who he was with. And basically he did this World Cup so, like, the first person to guess who was the famous person beside him uh, would go into the next round. And he did his World Cup of who's, who's Paul standing beside. And that was that ran on for a while. And then he did, he, he's, he's obviously a great man for taking pictures wherever he goes. So then he had Paul, uh, what football stadium is Paul at? <laughs> and he had, uh, he did a World Cup of uh, guessing what football stadium Paul is at. And it was brilliant. It was just kind of anything that lifts lifted the it was just a brilliant use of social media. And as you say, like just bringing people together and giving them a, a focus and taking our minds off what was actually going on. Um, mm. And did it, like, did you, did it lead to anything? Like, did, because I know, like, was there, okay, well, okay. When you were, you were in London and lockdown happened, you missed your, you lost your gigs. Were you, Yeah. how was it financially for you? And I don't want to like to, Devastating. I, I don't want to be rude, but I want to talk about it. Well, like I'll talk about it. Like comedians don't make much money anyway. And, uh, you know, we, we rely on the big festivals each year to kind of like give us that boost and then our touring. And then like, if you're that type of comedian that can headline uh, the laughter lounge, then you're kind of sorted or if you're like Christmas time as well would be a time of like getting corporates um you know and to but I would rely on my touring more so than everything else you know I'm not a person that would uh be allowed to gig at the laughter lounge or I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't be the top person on on people's ideas of getting them for corporates uh um which is fine you know and it's not like the people that do that are incredible by the way it's not like I'm it's it's hard to talk about different aspects of comedy without feeling like you're slagging off stuff yeah because when you say stuff is not for you that doesn't mean that you don't respect it or don't think it's good so I just want to stipulate that but the touring is like the main the main source of income and it's also my main source of like where I get validation for being a comedian is that people have taken the time out to come see me and me alone and also makes me feel like it's kind of worth doing. So when that kind of stopped, I was devastated. And I was doing a COVID video party as a distraction for myself for thinking about it. And then someone said to me, you should put up a coffee account. You should be getting paid for this. And I was like, what? And I did because I, I, like it was just like. Like were you were you freaked out? Yeah, yeah, I'm always freaked out though, Keith. It's like I grew up in, not to be like 
I grew up in a council estate, but I never, you know, and I worked in, I really, I was on work experience there. I relied on my mom for lips. I was really like pushing the limit of what financially I could do. Mm. I couldn't financially live in Dublin at the time, uh, but I could ask my mom for lifts and, and get the experience that way. So I've always been very used to like not having money. Um, so I was like, as long as I make my rent, to be fine. And then it was looking like I might not make my rent. But then COVID apparently happened. People were financially, and I just had to accept as well with myself that you will get paid for stuff that you, I kept going to myself, but I like doing this. And I think this is a big thing that I need to sort out with my life anyway, is that I have always had this guilt of being paid for stuff that I like doing. Um, I feel like I should only be paid for stuff that I don't like doing. Um, but yeah, I don't want to work where I do stuff that I don't like the job. Mm. So it's, um, it's very hard. So like with, especially with, with this, I kind of had to like say to myself, you are worthy of being paid. If people want to pay you, you can't, it's like when people want to give you a compliment, they go, oh, your hair looks lovely. Oh, my hair looks shite. I don't know what you're doing. So you're basically rejecting that person's opinion. You're saying that their opinion doesn't matter. And I just had to go, look, if they want to pay me, they want to pay me. And it did financially look after me during the lockdown. And then I was getting writing work as well, uh, which has been a godsend. Like my, my writing agent has just been oh she's just been brilliant she's just been like Alison there's plenty of time now people have meetings people are like able to read and uh, I've spent most of my time kind of like on zoom meetings um and I kind of I kind of like become my own cheerleader as well where because I've had to have that conversation with myself where I'm like no Alison you are worth paying this is worth doing then it's kind of helped me through other bits of my life so yeah, it's been handy. So with the writing now, are you are you in a, a few writing rooms? Are you sent jobs? Are you writing your own stuff? How's that working out? Lovely. So like, uh, I've been doing some stuff for Have I Got News for You, and that was fun. Um, I like I like recorded the little jokes that made it onto the show. Um, like, so I've been doing the writers' rooms that I've been involved in. Uh, have consisted of like a Zoom meeting and then us working separately, you know. Uh, and before before the lockdown, I was involved in some writer's rooms. And the way that I love to give advice to people about their career, I love going, oh, you could use this as a topper or you could say this and, and like trying to elevate and help and stuff because I accept that help of people, you know. And I don't feel like, I don't, I hope that people don't feel like I'm treading on their toes. And I hope that like when people give me stuff that they don't feel that they're treading them. I just, I just really believe in collaboration. I think it's a great thing. So yeah, with the, with the, have I got news for you? It's kind of like, yeah, you had like, Oh, you know, this is the round we're talking about here. Here's the, here's the information. And then you have to write jokes and uh, it's pretty cool. And um writing my own stuff has been lovely so I had a, a a play called Starlet that would have hopefully have toured around now that was kind of the plan that's not gonna happen and mm. um, for but like the 
you know, I got great reviews for that in the French. And I was so it really gave me a boost. It really made me feel like <clears throat> I'm a good writer. And then yesterday I was finishing a treatment for a thing. And I felt I felt like a similar buzz to the way I felt when I first did stand up writing this, just like just figuring out a problem and getting the question. It's so I just love the process of writing. So writing has been fun and the co-video party and I don't really do costumes anymore and it's just something chill that we can watch together uh, because I've other stuff. I've had no Wi-Fi over the past weekend because we were supposed to chat Friday and uh, basically the lad just left before you came and he's like, should be good now. I was like, thank you. <laughs> but the whole weekend I spent writing and kind of distraction free and it's been a... Uh, it's been lovely so I just yeah to write it's it's fun to make tv shows is real fun I mean all of my stuff is in the process of like it's at some stage with some stuff and you know uh with nowhere fast I was very lucky I was abnormally lucky it was the first I went in for a meeting and she was like do you have any scripts or anything like that I was like yeah and then I went home and wrote a script and then brought in and I this is this is this is what I was always planning to do and then <laughs> and then I got made <laughs> do you know and I was like and people kept telling me I have friends they're wonderful friends they're, and the other thing is like this guilt as well where I feel that a lot most of my friends are more talented than me I feel because I can look at them with an eye that go, that can assess do you know what I mean and I can I can praise them and I can't do that to myself so I always feel like guilty because I feel like they should have they should have had stuff made the first time they tried and what I had was ridiculous so with the stuff that I'm making now I am very like Alison be ready to be disappointed uh that it might not happen because you haven't had that feeling yet and it's gonna come it's in the post um and be okay with that and I love the process of writing also like there's a script I wrote and whatever happens, I'm just really proud I wrote. Like, yeah. Like, for me, we're nowhere fast I wrote with my boyfriend, Simon. Like, I, I, I've I, looked at other scripts, and I know that the script itself was just very good. Like, what I, yeah, it's it's hard to assess stuff. But I, I do look at that script, and I was like, do you know, that was funny, and that was funny. And, like, the way that you introduced the characters there, it made very good use of the time. Do you know, like, I... I watch television now and I just uh, I love I love the storytelling aspect of it I am the whole problem of a pilot to me it's such a it's such a wonderful puzzle you know the way that like if you watch a pilot of a show The Wire for me Wire is like my top three favorite shows but like it took four episodes for me to get into it because it's so dense and it's so and it needs to be that way because it doesn't make the rest of it enjoyable um but to look at stuff, and I'm not comparing my work to The Wire, not a hope of it. But um, I do love, I do love looking at pilots and looking at how I'm watching Mad Men at the moment, and you just see how they, they, they set out their style and they say this character is this way, and you know that because he's after doing a gesture there, which indicates it's just, it's just like art to me. A good TV show is like art. And it's, it's great to watch other people's art. And it's it's great to attempt. It's like I'm practicing painting at the moment. And it is like that. I am 
chatting so much, by the way. Hey, this podcast. <laughs> Always handy on the podcast when people are chatty. The, um, <laughs> I know it's great. And I think that you obviously, uh, you know, it's in you. The writing is in you. I was listening to um, a podcast. Uh, someone was interviewing Paul McCartney uh, about, you know, about music and the guy who was talking to him was a musician and he had learned, he'd gone to college and university and studied music. And he was asking him about, you know, how he wrote certain songs and how he got, you know, why was that on the offbeat? And why was that like, why was it four, four, two, and then three, four or whatever? I didn't really understand, but it was, he was talking about the, the beats and the whatever. And how mm. did you, how did you work? How did you just, and he was like, he was just, I just wrote it. I didn't know it was done in like, it's all, the, it's all the, it's like that's retrospective that people put the the timing of the, the you know the verse versus the chorus and you know how it's four four two and I don't I think that's a soccer reference but anyway <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so Paul was saying well I just wrote it and anybody putting any anybody studying it is that's that's done afterwards you know it, it, it's just I think the writing is in you you know it just it's it's it seems to be a natural thing and it's it's lovely to see you finding your your natural place you know um yeah I feel like writing scripts is a lot like the adult version of when you're a kid near two Barbies kissing each other Do you know where you're just like no no I can't yes you must <laughs> mwah, 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 mwah. like you're just doing that with your imagination and you're like where can this character go what is there I that's that that is what I love most about it and mm. like I love writing about like I love writing about working class Irish rural women <laughs> that's my favorite like I've been looking at like the the treatments and scripts that I've been coming out with lately and they're all like they're all like women they're all there's one that I really I'm enjoying kind of writing them it's about well I love I love Martin Scorsese and uh, I I understand when people say like people get angry about directors and they go oh there's no women parts in these films but like the Irishman for me was a piece of art especially the last hour I know it's long I know it's long but the last hour of just like you know you have a Robert De Niro who's physically fallen apart age is catching up with him he'll never he can't shoot his way out of this one he is going to die and he's to make peace with his daughters whose life he has destroyed through through the choices that he has made and they're like well, why doesn't she have more lines because she doesn't want to fucking speak to him sorry for swearing like but like her silence is her weapon against him it's hurting him and and to say I don't know how you would have done that it's also it's based on just just that that kind of stuff drives me mad like I don't know, maybe it's because like I, I just I'm very into I'm very into uh people's relationship with violence. I I I watch chipper fights all the time and I don't know why. Like <laughs> I do. It's like one of my favorite hobbies. So uh what were we chatting about there? Sorry, just before you're, I brought it up. <laughs> you're writing. Yeah, no, I think you're right about the uh it's a good point. I really enjoyed the Irishman, but uh and I think that uh, it's, I think it's, I think for people to look at a, a piece of art like that and to decide that, 
the women should have more lines than the men or whatever. Because in that instance, as you said, like he has all the lines and he has all the action uh, as in like it's his life, but he's like for all the power he has within his own life, he's totally made a fucking mess of it, you know, and that's the point, you know. Um, and it's like there is I haven't watched Married to the Mob yet and I really want to watch that. It was on Netflix and I was chatting to people about it. And the, the, the annoying thing about COVID, apparently, when I was on for 100 days, was like, I never watched any box sets. I never really got into one of them because I didn't have the time. Because at nine o'clock until whatever, I'd be watching a film. Uh, but like, have you seen Married to the Mob? It's I, the Michelle Pfeiffer film. Yeah. Well, I, I tweeted once, like, because Goodfellas is a, another film that I love. And the scene where Ray Liotta's wife uh, is meeting all the other mob wives. And it's just this like cacophony of like, people talking nails getting done and and I said I'd love to see a whole film of that scene like to to see into that world mm. um and someone said married to the mob is like that and I was like oh yeah when I have the time I'll do that but when I do I'd love to see I'd love to see a film about uh mob wives which sounds like married to the mob so I should watch that <laughs> just the malls but 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 it could you could do it you could do it like I loved. Um, do you do you ever remember watching uh, Roddy Doyle's Family? Do you remember yes. that being on the telly? And I do, but I didn't watch it. It's, I because I love Roddy Doyle. I watched it. Uh, it's incredible. It's on you YouTube. Get, yeah, you get a sort of a glimpse into the character um, uh, Charlo's wife and what her life is like, and that's what I'm interested in. Uh, yeah, and and she, I think the woman who walks into doors was charlo's wife then the book that roddy wrote after that which was about which was about charlo's wife <laughs> i can't even remember her name she's of no respect, <laughs> no respect for women all i remember is charlo the man uh but the woman who walks into doors i think was about charlo's wife which was which was basically what, kind of what you're saying like because he was a bit of a petty criminal as well uh mm. but there's there's loads of um there's loads of scope to there, like there's plenty of mobs in ireland and there's plenty of uh of mob wives in Ireland and it's I would say I'd imagine it's rich pickings if you want to go you know oh I'd say so it's like I'm always interested in the Tudors but I'm not interested in the royal family that much but it's that whole like you know a new it's that whole politics thing that I think probably comes with petty criminals I'd say it's the same I'd say that's why people like stories about the royals so much is that they can kind of see the petty politics within their family that could work within the way that like a, a a Tudor kind of court can and the same with criminals you know people that watch stuff about criminals it's not that they're criminals but they can understand the concept of loyalty they can understand betrayal and uh, not living up to you know your father's expectations or whatever and that is what makes it so compelling is that kind of thing but what we need now is for uh a traveler woman to start writing yeah definitely i would love to hear that i'd love to see that i'd love to hear that that would be brilliant i want to see a film about a traveler like like you like you know the traveler's wives and and their and their life that's that's i'd love to get an insight into that because they seem to be uh it seems like they need they need to be quiet all the time and they're they it seems like they're sort of uh they're expected to behave a certain way and kind of keep quiet, but there's, but it, that seems to be changing as well. And I'd love to see a, a, a female writer coming from the traveling community. And maybe there is one out there already that I just don't know about. And maybe it's, it's maybe it's down to me. I need to do a bit more research. That would be amazing. It'd be mm -hmm. great. 
It'd be really, that I'd love to see, I just love to see stuff from people's perspectives. I think the time for like, uh, I would find it weird to see like a movie about travelers from a person that wasn't a traveler. Like, I feel like it's not their place. Do you know what I mean? And I feel it's coming from a nice place where they're like, yeah, I want to like, see, you know, I want to lift a, a lid and kind of see the world for what it is or whatever but like um I can't yeah that has to be from the person that's Mm. involved in it you know totally yeah it has to come from that community and I'm sure it will before long you need to write a you need to write a movie about the find out who that lad was that did the drive-by shooting Ballymore and then I really do I really do (laughs) write write about his his girlfriend (laughs) wouldn't it be amazing wouldn't it be well I am writing the thing actually about that not that that but like about the girlfriend of a petty criminal um yeah because and like this petty criminal is like oh they're so low on the food chain and it's like he's got a driving ban and she is like so so this stuff that like the practicalities of that uh and the way that people show affection and love for each other and there's a great i think kevin mcgarren goes on about it he's there's a great poem by a lad who talks about you know peeling the potatoes and the and it made me actually tear up kind of like hearing it and it's about this man I can't remember if it's the wife showing the man affection or the man showing the wife affection but it's all about the act of peeling potatoes and it's just like I just know so many people that can't talk about their feelings but yet can make you a big shelf you know yeah 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 there you go now and that's the kind of stuff that uh that I love looking at you know God, that's gonna drive me mad now. That that uh, the the peeling the potatoes thing. Yeah, it's um, what you call him, isn't it? It's um, very famous Irish poet. Fucking oh, I'll do it in the outro. I'll find out. In a do outro. do. I mean, like I've been like it's a very kind of peripheral memory, but I do remember how I felt. You know, fucking people would be sh- screaming at the at their <laughs> people be screaming at their phones right now. Going, it's. Ah, I think my daughter's <laughs> studying him for the leaving search. So, um, listen, thanks a million, and uh, thanks for your time. And I need to let you get back to your work, do a bit of writing. Ah, no matter. It's been so lovely chatting to you, and thank you so much for like, you know, being involved in my life, and you've affected it in a very positive way. So. It's nice to be able to come onto a podcast and publicly thank someone for that. Oh, well, so thank you. thank you very much for looking after me in iRadio. You've been very kind and very nice. And uh, yeah, that's it, basically. Well, thank you for download- <laughs> downloading the sketches onto CD for me. And, uh, for- <laughs> Do you still have it? <laughs> and for looking after my daughter when, she- when I brought her into work. Yeah, I think I still have them uh, somewhere. They're probably here. If you ever find them, would you send me them so I could have a listen to them? Because, yeah. like, I've no, I've, it's the mad when you talk about iRadio, it's almost like, because, it, it, you know, it was so unique uh, in its way. And so, uh, to me, it was, I felt like a big celebrity in Athlone with my orange hoodie on. Like, that was, like, iRadio used to have orange hoodies and were kind of given to staff and to competition winners. And I went to Oxygen one year and I was mobbed, absolutely mobbed for my iRadio orange hoodie. And I got stolen off me, actually. But uh... (laughs) 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 
Crazy yeah. times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll have a look for the stuff and send you anything that I think might be uh, you might like to hear. Oh no, seriously! It doesn't mean, don't don't worry if I'm not honest. By the way, just send me the stuff that you did with Bernard. And like oh. you know, I used to have my own little sting as well. I used to you. Uh, Alison's starting to happen. Alison's starting to happen. Alison's starting to happen. The only thing, if there was a lyric in that song, which I was like, oh, that's a bit, because obviously you're a bit younger than me. And, and there's, a lyric, <laughs> there's a lyric in the song we're playing, like Alison's starting to happen. Uh, but we didn't mean it because the way he meant it was different the way we meant it. There's Alison's getting her tit pierced. Uh, <laughs> I think he used to have to bring the fader down when it got to that place. <laughs> he had the freedom to go oh we're gonna get this girl on and she's just gonna talk about her week there's no like showbiz gossip or like horoscopes or anything like that it was just like oh i went quiz aaron or something like that you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, perfect it was perfect it was the lemon heads alan's is starting to happen yeah well look i i've after talking over you several times and you've done a nice clean outro so i'll let you say goodbye properly now <laughs> the great thing about these podcasts is you can just there's no just keep going um listen best of luck with you best luck with the writing and i'll be i'll be go, i'm gonna watch if i got news for you now and see if i can spot your jokes well i i can i i can send them to you on whatsapp oh, they, they yeah yeah there's like one was like this is how proud i am one was like you heard the audience go oh <laughs> like, Ooh, it's like wow. yeah and the other one was like really lighthearted. So I felt like, I, I felt very proud of myself that they were both on the different ends of the scale. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's grand. You got the dig in. And can you tell, could you tell me the jokes now or is that too much? I don't know if it's too much at all. Uh, one of them, uh, one of them, right, was a Athena. I'm putting you on the spot gonna, now. No, no, you're cool. I'm going to get up the WhatsApp and we'll see. I feel like because he mentioned it now, there might be people listening going, I want to hear the jokes. So one of them was like an intro for Baroness Varsity, who is a conservative peer. And she's also, she's lost a significant amount of weight since the start of this year. So like she, so when you get like, when you go into writer's rooms, you kind of get, a lot of information on them like any news articles that they've been in any interviews and you can pick up stuff so often you'd see I could talk to you about like the 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 mechanics of it like go for it yeah so, so like uh when a tv presenter goes so my first guest this week is a a, a DJ and would you describe yourself as a Kildare man now because that's the guy team you support isn't it yeah yeah Kildare yeah. Man. yeah 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 so, so be like, so our first guest is a, a DJ and Kildare Man. And this would have been like two bits of information that the joke writer would have found that that has been provided by the the researchers. Um, so I guess that he'll be Lily White on the night. I have no idea. It's a terrible joke. But there's some sort of like you can do a pun on Kildare. Like I'm really talking myself out of this job now. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you take the elements and you put them together and you come up with a pawn or some sort of uh, funny line for the, yeah, the, yeah. So often you'd hear them go, so once in an interview, uh, Keith Wall said, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I guess that means, so it's kind of like, yeah, 
the 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 formula joke will always be the same, which is that you're kind of writing the punchline. You're kind of going, you're kind of going, uh, yeah, you're you're kind of going, uh, person. So the most important bit bit of this joke is you're doing a bit of work. You're introducing the person. You're going. Uh, to the audience at home here you you have you heard this name oh you might know them from this mm. and then and then in order to do that you also have to do a joke because what's the point of being on a comedy show without making it into a joke so it's important to like uh, introduce the person give the information and then do a joke at the end so with that you're you're always kind of like uh uh the the joke is the punchline the last the last the last bit of that sentence should always make you laugh because you're you're, it's it's often like a, a comedy set like you always finish on it on your hardest joke uh, because you want the audience walking away from you going that person was funny not that person was interesting or that person you know you could you could finish on like something uh, you, you often see in Edinburgh where like uh, people will be doing like a, an hour show and it's maybe it's about their dad dying or something and uh, they'll they'll get to the forty minute mark. There'll be that piece of information that really kind of changes your perspective on the person. It really hits deep. Whatever that thing is, you do it at the, at like the forty or fifty minute mark because people are getting tired, right? No matter how funny you are, people are sitting in a dark room and they're gonna look at their watch at one point. So you do that, so it kind of keeps them uh, zoned in for another ten minutes, and you kind of got that ten minute window. And you always always finish off by being funny because you want them to not just remember that you have some perspective on your your dad that's died um you know and has changed you as a person but you're also you're a comedian so you want them walking away going uh that person was really funny about their dad dying not isn't it a shame that that person's dad has died uh because that's not what they that's not what you signed up for as a performer jesus i am talking loads now but I, anyway, that that is it. Like I love, I love writing jokes where you're solving a puzzle. Yeah, basically, uh, where someone goes because it makes you feel like an SAS joke writer, where they're like, not only am I giving you this task, but it's under these conditions. And <laughs> then you kind of go, oh, oh, I can do that. I can make a gun out of fucking bramble leaves. We'll do it. Let's see that if you can. This is your mission if you're willing to accept it. Yeah, yeah, and I've had so many writing work words like that where they've gone like, right, this will be in front of kids. So, but you're you're really joking for the adults. So you have to like, you know, you have to like do it with. It's so much. It just makes me feel like a proper person. Yeah, proper yeah. adult being given responsibility to yeah to, to solve a puzzle. It's great. It's great. Hmm. Um, you have to send me the joke, and I and I'll read it out in the outro. Do, do, do. And the other one is like, it's a, it's a picture. It's a, it's the end of the, the show. So you're kind of, uh, the, the picture has to be the punchline. So you have to write a thing that makes the audience make up their own joke. It's just, just, just like writing for, now my God needs to be brilliant and other, yeah. other places where they go, because they have the formula of what works for them. So they're like, they're not going to you. Can I get 20 jokes on Boris Johnson? They're like, right, we have this picture. This is going to be the punchline. Can you write the joke leading up to it? I'm like, oh, I'll try. And I, when you do it, it's just like, ah, great. Deadly. <laughs> Deadly. Um, th- well, this has been like Lord of the Rings. We've had several endings. Um, <laughs> no, I'm so... None, none of them satisfactory. <laughs> and it's wonderful. We didn't even talk about pricks and comedy. Like, ah! Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Get me on again. <laughs> no. Get do- me on again when I I'm angry. To- I need to do a special with you just on that. Shit. Shit. Okay. All right, Alison, I'll let you go. I'll- I'll- I will get you on again. Cool, cool. Best of luck, Keith. Thanks a million. Good luck. Lovely talking to you. Good luck. Bye, bye, bye. We never even got to talk about pricks in comedy. There you go. Alison Spittle, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, we had a chat about this and that, and we never gave out once, really, about much. Uh, but uh, thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed chatting to Alison there. Alison Spittle, um, watch out for TV shows, movies. Who knows? Who the knows where she'll end up? Oh, someone at the door. Charlie, you get the door. Say it's the missus home. She's very busy these days. I don't really see her much. Very busy. She's a businesswoman now. She's got her own business. And uh, she's uh, nearly sisters. Nearly sisters.ie. And um, they got a big, few big orders before Christmas. Because um, it's the 7th of December as I record this. And uh, they are up to 90. Working 12 hour days. Pulling all nighters. Ridiculous. I don't know, sure, I'm just hanging around the house, no dinner, you know, I just six o'clock, sit at the table, nothing happens, I don't know, what am I supposed to do, um, the clothes are piling up, you know, um, anyway, so, uh, that might be, it might be my wife, it could be my daughter, she's at the gym, uh, it is my daughter, hi Anna, um, I should really close the door, shouldn't I? Anyway, uh, yes, that was Alison Spittle, and thank you very much for coming on, Alison. Thank you very much for listening, as always. It is, I can't believe, episode 37, and my... <laughs> Anna! She doesn't care. Uh, she's feeding the dog. Um, what have I got to say? Yes, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's uh, keithwalshpod at gmail.com or keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com. Either of, the, of those should get me. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. If you're an OG, if you're one of the original listeners, the original podcast listeners, you can uh, just let me know. If you're listening to this before uh, the end of 2020 or early 2021, you could be an OG. And we make a list of original podcast listeners called OGs. And you will be entitled to things like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll invite you all, as I said before, to the first live um podcast which would be cool um i think that's enough for me um as i said if you want to contribute to the podcast there is a a link in the podcast description click on that Uh, give us a price for a cup of tea or whatever or as i said 250 grand would be lovely um enjoy the rest of your evening whatever you're up to or day or morning and uh, talk to you soon thanks for listening goodbye can't believe it, I just, just did just said goodbye and that was it. Just stopped, stopped talking. Done. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 